0: of 10 Things I Like here on Keyboard tomorrow. I am your host Spencer Kite, friendly neighborhood Spencer man. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Spencer Kite, as you see at the bottom of the screen. If you are watching on the YouTube page, it's time to talk about UFC London takes place on Saturday. Nice and early here on the on the west coast of Canada. Programming alert. Just saw the tweet from my guy Aaron Bronstetter from TSN. This show will air exclusively on UFC Fight Pass here in Canada. So if you do not have Fight Pass, go get it. That's where you will have to watch it. No change in channels, no flipping to different broadcast providers to get these fights. 6 a.m. start time here on the West Coast, 9 a.m. Eastern. Huge fight card, 15 fights, I believe. Lots of good stuff to get into. Lots of things that I am looking forward to. It was difficult to cut this down to 10. We did some, some combining, some amalgamating of some ideas of some fights of some fighters to get down to 10. So let's go item. Number one, Tom Aspinall is back and facing a good test. The British heavyweight competed 364 days ago, as of Saturday at the July UFC London event, where he took on Curtis blades in a fight that was kind of designed to see if Aspinall was ready to be a full blown contender in the heavyweight division, 15 seconds in, the fight is over. He throws an outside, le- an outside leg kick, catches blades in the thigh as he returns his leg down and goes to step. Knee explodes, blows out his knee. He's out for this past year. Steps in on Saturday, returning to the scene of that event, the O2 Arena in London, to take on and Taibura, his third straight main event appearance in London. It's the right thing. It's the right fight. It's a good fight. To me, it's the perfect litmus test. I'm excited to see Tom Aspinall back. I think he has the potential. I think he has the skills to be a world champion. I know some people are probably going to balk at that because we haven't seen him in there with a top five guy. But everything we've seen of him thus far shows me and tells me that this guy is the real deal. Now, the reason I'm excited for Saturday and that I call Tybura a good test is because he's a veteran guy that has won seven of his last eight done well against good opponents, and is the kind of guy that if you're not right, if you're not dialed in, if you're not ready to go fully and completely, he can give you a long night at the office. He can give you a rough night, upset the apple cart even. Historically, Aspinall is a guy that has gotten his work done relatively quickly. Never seen a third round, only been into the second round once in his UFC career. That wasn't very long against Andrei Arlovsky. And so this is a perfect sort of measuring stick of where Aspinall is back. It's a chance for him to shake off any of the rust, kind of get back in the groove of things without being thrown back into another marquee matchup against one of these ascendant talents and top of the food chain kind of guys. I almost expected this fight to be against a Sergey Pavlovich or against Blades just as a let's run this back. I'm happy to see. I was happy when it was announced that it was going to be Ty because there's no need right now, given the state of the division, given the fact that fighters like Jelton Almeida and Sergey Spivak and the aforementioned Sergey Pavlovich have all continued to ascend over this past year. While Aspinall has been on the sideline, you can drop him back in against the top 10 opponent, see where he's at, give him the opportunity to get a victory to reintroduce himself in a bit, in a way to the audience that maybe, you know, wasn't fully convinced going into last summer's fight, and now has had a year to sit and watch others move forward, give him a chance to get a victory, get moving in the right direction again, and then maybe later, towards the end of the year, he gets a matchup with one of those top five guys or another one of the ascending fighters in this division. Item number two, Wood versus Feely should be awesome. Nathaniel Wood and Andre Feely meet in a featherweight matchup, That just to me, when I think about it, when I look at it, when I see it on paper, when I play it out in my head, there's no way it's not a really fun, entertaining fight. Regardless of when it ends, how it plays out, where it takes place, these are two guys that are skilled, technical, aggressive, attacking, like to mix it up, like to perform for the crowd. Nathaniel Wood is 2-0 since moving to featherweight, has looked very good. Andre Feely is one of those tenured, battle-tested dudes that while the record isn't great in the UFC, you got to look at who, he's at who he's been in there with, right? He's one of these athletes that you've got to look beyond the wins and losses and see that the losses have come against guys like Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez and very good tenured fighters in this division. It's a good test for Nathaniel Wood after two wins over Charles Rosa and Charles Jordan to see just another one of those guys that's just on the outside of the top 15 to see if the young, not even young anymore. Nathan's 30 years old now, so not quite young, younger than me, to see if the British fighter can continue working forward or if Feely becomes sort of that hurdle that he can't clear or that he needs to reset after. It should be a wildly entertaining fight on the main card. Really looking forward to that one, as well as the other featherweight fight we'll talk about here in a minute. Item number three potential grappling match at middleweight. Paul Craig drops down to 185 pounds for the first time in his UFC career and takes on Andre Muniz, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, who prior to his win over Uriah Hall and then his loss to Brendan Allen earlier this year, had earned three straight first round submission wins by armbar. And I want to see these two just almost handshake agreement to just turn this into a no-gi grappling fight. Back in the day, and this is going to date me a little bit, but Chris Lytle used to kind of maybe unofficially, maybe officially, maybe not sure anybody's ever going to confirm it or deny it, go and find his opponent and be like, Hey, why don't we go out here and get us fight of the night? Why don't we just agree? We're going to go out here. We're going to bang it out on the feet. We're not going to grapple. We're just going to trade. And we're just going to try to grab that 50 grand, whatever the bonus was at the time. It might've even been 75 back in the day. And more often than not, that's what happened. They went out, they slugged it out, they got themselves a bonus. And that's how Chris Lytle became one of those guys that you absolutely wanted to watch every single time he competed. I kind of hope that Paul Craig and Andre Muniz come to a similar agreement at some point. Just say, look, you like to grapple. I like to grapple. Let's see who's the better grappler. We don't need to deal with any of this throwing punches, throwing kicks trying to gauge our range and keep the other guy off. Let's just agree to get to the ground and go from there. Now, I don't know if you can just like pull guard immediately if you're either of these guys, because you don't necessarily want the other guy on top, but like, just let me get the grappling match that I want. There have been a few fights over the last couple of weeks. I'm thinking about Matoyash Rombetsky, and Lloyd Radzibov. I wanted to see that turn into a grappling match. It didn't. Rombetsky beat the hell out of Radzibov's leg. They didn't even really hit the ground for very long at all. I want this to be the grappling match that I've been missing. I just want to see high-level grapplers inside the octagon doing what they do best. Historically, traditionally, these things kind of turn into ugly, uneventful kickboxing matches. And that feels like it would be such a waste of this pairing. So please, fight gods. Paul Craig, Andre Muniz, discuss it. Come together. Come to an agreement. Get this fight to the ground and give us the grappling match we all want to see. Item number four, another look at Ferez Zayem. 26 years old, just 3-2 and two in the UFC, but 3-1 and one in his last four after dropping his debut. Good win last time out in Paris against Michael Figlak. He's tall. He's rangy. He can grapple a little bit. He's in that age range, as I talked about yesterday on one question, where if he's going to take a step forward, this is sort of the point. And really this matchup with Jai Herbert is the kind of matchup where you see it. Herbert is a veteran guy, been in there, cage warriors champion, hasn't had the most success since moving into the UFC, but is the kind of guy that if you're not, if you're not good enough to beat him, he's going to make you look bad. And that's going to tell us something. And if you are somebody that has the ability and upside to move forward, then you go out and beat Jai Herbert. So I'm really curious to see what kind of improvements, what kind of further development we get from Zyam since September, as I said yesterday, and just how this fight plays out. There's loads of dudes at lightweight. This isn't about, is he ready to be a contender? How close is he? Anything like that. This is one of those guys for me that is a long range, give them a couple of years, just see how it progresses, right? Wasn't sold off the, off the bat. Wasn't really convinced even through the wins over Jamie Malarkey and Luigi Vendermini. Cause it wasn't sold on either of those gentlemen. Jamie Malarkey has changed my opinion a little bit. Lost to Terrence McKinney beats Fielak last time out. So it's almost a clean slate, but I'm, I'm interested. I'm intrigued and I want to see more. So let's see what happens. Item number five. Fly featherweight matchup, excuse me, between Lerone Murphy and Josh Coulibau could make an impact. I think this is one of those fights that is flying under the radar because both, both competitors are under the radar. And also because I don't necessarily think people understand how close to breaking into the rankings. These two guys are both for me are in that sick second 15 at 145 pounds, both on a quality run of results Murphy is undefeated in the UFC, four straight wins after a draw with Zubara Tukagov to start his career. Koulibau, 3-0-1 since moving to featherweight, started that run with a draw against Charles Jordan, second mention for Air Jordan on this, on this podcast, and then his 1-3 straight, culminating last time out in February with a very good win. An opportunistic finish of Malsik sikbeg Was was getting beat up a little bit, took a bad low blow was bloody in the mouth, and as soon as Bagdasarian slipped, Koulibau was on the neck, had the the choke sunk in before the hooks. Love the transition grappling. Love what I've seen from him so far. The winner of this fight should be facing one of those guys in the lower third of the top 15 at featherweight. Those are very good fighters. That's Edson Barbosa. That's Dan Ige. That's Sadiq Youssef. That's Alex Caceres. Those are good fighters. That's Mavsari Vloyev even. Those are good competitive fights. Those are intriguing fights with a couple people that still have upward mobility and upward ambitions in this division. These two guys are close. They haven't had the opportunity yet to face one of those marquee opponents that gets them into that ranking set that moves them that step forward and elevates their profile that little bit that they need. But a good performance from either here really sets them into that group, I think, at least. And from there, It takes one more and you're in the top 10. And then we get a bunch of people that are like, where did Laroe Murphy or Josh Koulibau come from? How come I didn't see this coming? This is where they came from. Saturday is going to be the road to the top 15 or the furthering down the road to the top 15 for one of these two athletes. And I think people should pay attention. Item number six, Davy Grant never disappoints. Davy Grant has had 11 UFC appearances. And there's not a boring fight in the bunch. He's just six and five in the UFC, but he's earned finishes in his last four victories. Always a ton of action in his fights. And if you've ever seen any interview with Davey Grant, I recommend the long sit down with John Gooden from a couple of years ago. But any interview with Davey Grant where he's talking to somebody for a little bit of an extended period, the dude genuinely loves being a fighter and stepping in there. Like, loves it. Like, passionately smiles and says... There's nothing better than this. What's better than going out there and proving and showing people that you're a badass? I'm with you, Davey Grant. Thank God for you. God bless you. I love seeing how much you love it. I love seeing you make the walk, especially given that there was a period of time there where he couldn't get by injuries, where he couldn't get healthy, where it seemed like he wasn't going to get to enjoy this kind of career. Now he has, he's coming off that Weird sort of awkward finish over Rafael Sansao earlier this year. It's a good win. It's a good performance. He's a steely stalwart veteran, 37 years old, 38 in December. You know, he's going out there on Saturday against Daniel Marcos, looking to protect his spot. This is a guy that doesn't want to. I'm sure I haven't had a chance to talk to him lately, but I'm sure that Adrian Yanez fight still bugs him. Cause I'm sure a veteran guy like that doesn't want to lose to one of these young up and comers. One of these ascendant guys that takes his spot and moves him backwards a step. Not in a bad way, not in a hold a grudge, miserable about it kind of way, but just from a competitive standpoint. And that's what Saturday is. Marcos looked good in his debut against Simon Oliveira. Now he gets Grant. It should be another banger of a fight. They always are when David Grant's involved. And I can't wait to see it, man. I love this dude. I'm always here for a David Grant fight. Item number seven, Yoel Alvarez returns. Ending a 17-month hiatus, hasn't fought since February of last year when he lost to Armin Saryukin. Certainly a defeat that has aged perfectly well, perfectly fine. Not one that you're going to be disappointed about all that much. The losses, as I said, Saryukin, Demirish Magulav before that. Some very good wins in between there. Good finishes over skilled fighters, including Joe Duffy, including Tiago Moises, who I think very highly of. And I'm just, I'm so interested in this fight against Mark Jacasey because Alvarez feels like a guy to me that can be something at 55, good length, good finishing instincts, good size and feel, especially on the ground, but also in tight, in the clinch, beat Tiago Moises up with elbows inside. But this is one of those fights to me where we're going to find out if you're going to be a guy, if you're going to be someone that goes forward. And this is like, to me, the elevated version of the Ferez Jai Herbert fight, right? They're a little further down in the pecking order, but then you get to Alvarez and Jacacy. And this is, if you're going to be a guy, you beat Mark Jacacy. That puts you, that solidifies you in the second 15 and brings you a little bit closer to the top 15. Whereas for Zay-M. and Jai Herbert, it's, it proves that you can move into that middle class and solidify yourself in that middle class. So interested to see this guy return. I liked him. I think I picked him going into the fight with Armin Saryukin. so that didn't work out well for me, but he's back. I'm happy to see him. It's been too long since he's competed. This should be an interesting, a good test, a good chance to make another read and get another assessment of where Joel Alvarez fits in this division right now. Item number eight, young heavyweights clash. I don't know how good either Mick Parkin or Jamal Pogues will end up being down the road, but if you want to give me two 27 year old heavyweights that are just getting started, I'm in, as I say all the time on this, on this series, I am a simple man fist fights, pizza dogs included in that fist fights, the little sub subheading, the little drop down bracket. There's a little folder for prospects, especially, and then subdivide that even more down into heavyweight prospects. We talk all the time about wanting to see new names and new bodies and somebody come in to mix things up and give us just a new look and a new flavor. Here we go. Parkins, 6-0 as a pro, trains with KSW champ Phil, Phil DeFries, who's coming off a very good win. Again, last weekend, nine straight, I believe, for the former UFC fighter. Also trains with Tom Aspinall, the headliner here this weekend. Bunch of other good guys. So far, looks the part. Jamal Pogues is at syndicate, works at the PI now as well. 10 and three contender series grad was a very good prospect through the amateur ranks and early into his career, even before getting to heavyweight. Let's just see, man. Like this is one of those things that two, three years from now, who knows where these guys are at? We'll have a sense, right? As they get through these first one, two, three fights, we'll develop a sense for how good they might be or how far they might be able to go where they're going to top out, where they're going to max out. But for right now, they're unknown commodities. They're unfinished projects. And I just want to see it. I I want to get a look at each of these guys, both coming off contender series, both young. Heavyweight division always needs bodies, always needs young, new talent. Let's see if either of these guys can be that. Item number nine, critical bantamweight matchup talked about this yesterday on one question, but the fight between Catlin Vieira and Pani Kianzad is super important, and I feel like nobody's talking about it. Vieira is number four, Kianzad is number seven, and the winner, to me, as I said yesterday, fights whichever of Raquel Pennington and Myra Bueno Silva doesn't get the title shot. And that fight is probably for the next title shot. Like the winner of this, is one fight away potentially for fighting for the Bantamweight title, the currently vacant Bantamweight title at that. Vieira has been inconsistent in terms of her results and in terms of her performance, even in those wins and losses, right? She has some fights where she looks great. She has some fights where she doesn't look that good. She needs to settle it out. She needs to rebound here, coming off a loss to Raquel Pennington earlier this year. Penny Kianzad is more steady although still inconsistent in the results. She's sort of limited and, and tapped, topped out. That's the second time I've, I've gone to say tapped out, topped out within the division. Feels like somebody that thus far hasn't climbed beyond the top five or into the top five and maybe isn't going to get there. But she's rock steady, man. She's slightly limited by size and athleticism, but makes up for it in, in grit and willingness to just get in there and mix it up. She's got a good jab. She works well. She works at a good clip. She's the kind of fighter to me, and I, I'm really interested. I haven't even looked at it yet. I'm sure that Ketlin Vieira is the favorite here. Really interested to see what that Kianza line is at, because just come out here and, and jab up and box up Ketlin Vieira and get yourself into an important, even more important fight going forward. Wouldn't be out of the question on Saturday. Looking forward to this one. Pay more attention to this one. Not going to get fired up like yesterday, but please. Pay more attention to this. one. Last one, item number 10, rookies and sophomores. So the rookies on Saturday's card are Johnny Parsons, Mick Parkin, Shauna Bannon, and Danny Perez. The sophomores are Daniel Marcos, Jamal Pogues, Chris Duncan, Yanel Ashmuz, Bruna Brazil, and Jafel Filo. That's 10 fighters that are just getting started in their UFC. Just get in their UFC career. Excuse me. Just getting their feet wet. Too early to say one way or the other how good, bad, or indifferent they are going to be. Let's just see. This is sort of a a bigger picture version of the park and pogues fight itself. But like everybody keeps saying, I hear all the time from folks in this space where do these people come from when a fighter goes on a run and ascends seemingly out of nowhere? Or I don't know who these people are. Well, This is where you pay attention and learn who these people are because somebody from that pack, somebody from that group of 10 fighters in the next two years is going to be in the top 15 in their respective weight class. That's just a fact. I'll, I'll stand by that right now. I will, I will put that out there as my prediction. One of these 10 athletes will be in the top 15 in their respective weight class in the next two years, two years from this taping. July 20th, 2025, one of these 10 fighters will be in the top 15. We'll see if that holds true. I'm going to write it down on the whiteboard so I don't forget, keep track of who the names are and what the target date is. But this is where you see it, right? This is where you get the opportunity. And to me, that's one of the things I love, not just about this card, but about all these cards. We get a chance to watch entire careers come and go inside the octagon. Now, some of those. It ends up being two fights, three fights, four fights, and it doesn't pan out. But once upon a time, Rafael Dos Anos started his UFC career with two straight losses. He's still here kicking ass. Max Holloway didn't have a great run to start. Still here as a superstar. And I know people will say that's cherry picking, but like Leon Edwards came out of nowhere. Kamaru Usman matriculated his way up the welterweight ranking. So many other fighters. For all the occasional cannonball onto the scene, hit like a goddamn meteor that blows up and everybody's immediately paying attention. All the Sean, o- the Sean O'Malley's, the John joneses way back in the day. Most of the people that get to where they get to, it's a process, right? Alexa Grosso was a hyped prospect and then everybody got off the bandwagon. She's the flyweight champion of the world now. Settle in, give these people time, pay attention, take some notes, see who they become, pick one or two that you want to really pay attention to. Go from there. Every fight is a chance to learn more about these men and women, make reads about these men and women and see how far they can go. Mick Parkin is intriguing to me. 27 years old, trains with really good people. Heavyweight division, opportunity to rise quickly. I spoke to him this week and we talked about sort of the game plan and approach and he said it's, it's ne- never I've never been in a rush but you look at Tom and he wasn't in a rush either but the results come and then all of a sudden it's a rush just because you're you're doing that well that's not out of the question for him we don't know that he's not the next Tom Aspinall we'll find out start finding out on Saturday Sean Bannon is going to get already has some hype and is going to get pushed is going to get an opportunity to become something in the UFC. And if you follow the severe MMA guys, they are on one right now because Sean Abandon is debuting on Saturday. Reese McKee got re-signed to the UFC and it was announced earlier before I jumped on here. that Kalen Lochran got signed as well. He's going to be fighting in Paris as well alongside Reese McKee. Those boys are going to be bombarding you with talk about these ascending Irish fighters for good reason, with good reason. Sean Abandon's one of them. Daniel Marcos, Chris Duncan, Yanel Ashmoos, all got good wins. Last time out, Ashmooz knocked Sam Patterson in the next week. I'm not sure he's awake yet. Pay attention. Pay attention. This is how you learn about them. You want to know about these athletes. You want to know where they came from. Cards like this are where they come from. These are the opportunities. These are the chances. And for a guy like me, this is awesome. I love this. Saturday morning, going to do a full English sit down with a cup of coffee. I may even have to go tea just to really complete things. A nice cuppa and fist fights at 6 a.m. Going to be outstanding. Looking forward to it. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you are now a little bit more excited for Saturday. As I said, if you are in Canada, listening in Canada, watching in Canada, exclusively on Fight Pass, thank you Aaron Setter, for letting that be known on a Thursday afternoon. Follow the boys at One Bone at One Bone Brand on Twitter and Instagram, onebonebrand.com. For all your gear hookups, ESK20 at checkout for 20% off. Sign up for the Keyboard Kamura newsletter through that QR code on the YouTube page or by going to spencerkite.substack.com. Free dollars, $5 or $50. However you sign up, I appreciate it. Happy to have you. Everything I do, right to your inbox. The second I hit publish, except for those couple things I put behind a paywall every once in a while, every Monday with the podcast, things like that. So sign up. Appreciate it. As we said off the top, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Spencer Kite. Thank you for tuning in. Can't wait for UFC London back tomorrow with the double dip predictions, betting show. Trying to make some profits here. Started the second half of the year. It's time to make some profits. Had a good conversation with Nick Kalikas from UFC on the Line and the gambler's perspective today for an upcoming episode of a conversation with. Going to take some of that to heart and try to apply it to the bets this week. Until then. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. As I said earlier, appreciate you. I love you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. We'll see you tomorrow.